catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. They say Red Bull gives you wings. Sadly for Checo, he needed a parachute after frolicking with the Ferrari at Turn 1 in Mexico. Welcome back to Grid Talk. My name is Tom Downey, and joining me today, we have Philip Matthew from the Grip Trip podcast. Hello. Rachel Kaputsta, I think I said that right, from the from the Paddock Pals podcast. Hello. And finally, we have Jonah back again, who is our resident media mogul. Good evening. Sorry, Jonah. wasn't quite sure what to introduce you as then. But just before we carry on with this episode, we must thank our sponsor, as always. Bets Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Please remember to use the promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Also, please do be sure to follow our socials at GridTalkUK to stay up to date with the show. So now that the housekeeping is out of the way, and yes, we will get to the the instance in question, which I'm sure most people are going to, going to want to hear about, we do need to obviously talk about the rest of the field because... There, there was more to this than uh, than Perez getting yeeted uh, by himself at Turn 1. So Jonah has a bit of a, obviously a mixed day at, at, at the office for them. Hulkenberg ultimately finished P13. He was holding on to P10 for so long, but but ultimately the, the tyres gave up on, on him. Um, and Kevin Magnussen uh, triggered the red flag on lap 31 after suffering quite a frightening accident. And uh, and and looked in a bit of discomfort when he got out of the car. Just to say, from what we've heard, K Mag is okay. Whilst he is a bit battered and bruised, he does he does appear to be okay. And obviously, best wishes from all of us. He gets better. But Haas, they've slipped behind Alpha Tauri in the standings because we'll get onto them in, in a bit. But they're now rock bottom. And after these regulation changes, promised so much. It's another weekend of what ifs and what could have been. Yeah, Hulkenberg being the, the third last qualified finisher at this race, and obviously we know how Magnussen ended it uh, in a tech pro. It's just under, It's I'm not going to say it's underwhelming because it's Haas at the end of the day. It's a real shame. Hulkenberg looked really good holding on to that P10. You don't hear people say this often, but the Alpines were just faster. You really don't hear people say that very frequently, but his tires gave out. It was a combination of a few different things that led to him slipping down into 13th. That's a lot of money. A lot of money Haas just lost out on if they continue this form for the remaining three races of the year. Thank God that Kevin Magnussen's okay. It was a, a real heavy accident into that tech bro through, if I'm not mistaken, it was turn 13 or something in through the S section. But uh, yeah, it's it sucks. It really does suck. I, I want to see those guys do better. I don't know if it was fully, fully Magnussen's fault. From what I saw, maybe he damaged some part of the suspension going over after he shot it a little too deep into the corner. It was actually one of the parts of the race I walked away from, not the accident, but the missed overtake. But you could see a suspension just completely snapped on the rear left, which is just, he's a passenger at that point. 
Real shame for him. Not exactly like he was running in a phenomenal position, but his teammate was. Unfortunate, but not to say it's unexpected. Haas has just been performing very poorly and they lost out on a lot of money today. Absolutely. It was say, yeah, it, it, you made a very good point. It's, it's, you know, it's, you made a very good point about the points. It's not just that, it's not just that they've lost standing to it's the financial implications. Although in this new cost cap area, it does mean they'll have more, I believe, Winternal and CFD time. Should they, I say, hold on to P10 and constructors? Not like they can go any further, is it? Unless someone's like summons mana from the dead or something. I don't know. But I, you can tell I'm not good at play it. Rach, next we're going to have a quick chat about Alpine. So I think the best way to sum up their performance is, oh yeah, they were there. Because I said in the live chat on Slack, because it, it showed up, it was Pierre Gasly having a great battle with Valtteri Bottas, actually. Going through, going through the turn one, three, one, two, three, that whole like slinky section. Great cynical, as I know. It showed, I believe it was Gasly defending really well. And that was the first I recalled seeing them in the race. Ultimately, they finished P10 and 11. Ocon got a point after after basically saying to Hulkenberg, 1v1 we broke, and he ultimately won. There's a gaming reference for anybody who's listening. Please don't tell me on SD. I will win. And it's, uh, yeah, and it, it was, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's a good weekend for Alpine, you could maybe say, because they brought both cars home. They've got a point. Their reliability seems to be okay. He says that wasn't go by the next few weekends in, in a row, but do you think they could have got more from this, or do you think, given everything that happened around them, this is maybe the best they could have asked for? I definitely think it's the best that they could have asked for. I did see a scenario, even though they were definitely faster, where like Hulkenberg could somehow pull them off with his straight line speed. So I think that it's really good that they did get a point today. Totally agree with you. They were super anonymous and it was just like, where are they? What are they doing? So I agree with you there. I always feel like Alpine, like going into the weekend, no one ever says, oh, this is going to be a good track for them. I don't really know what a good track for them is or what a bad track for them is. They're just middle of the road through and through. And I just feel like we've seen that all season long. And you wish that they could do better. I don't know. I the beginning of the season, for some reason, I was on an Alpine train, and I don't know why, and I don't know how I got there, and I didn't know how to get off for a while. But yeah, so I think this was expected for them today. It's good that they both finished, and I think that we'll pretty much see this for the rest of the season from them right around here. Yeah, it's very much like you said. It's a very much Alpine result, quite solid and not particularly spectacular. And there's Carl King, one of our one of our other panelists and host of or co-host of Muggsy Podcast, said they just seem to have celebrity endorsements and investments at the minute, and that's about it. Yeah, there's not too much we can say about them, sadly. At least they're not getting five second penalties every five seconds like they were at, at the start of the season. But Phil, this one should be good. Aston Martin, they ended with a double DNF ultimately after a particularly stellar qualifying for both cars. There's definitely not any sarcasm in that at all. They started, so oh God, where did they start? I think they were started like, oh, I don't even know. I think Alonso was P13 and Sol started from the pit lane because he's qualified P18 or P19. To be honest with Sol, I get his starting position modeled up with his race car number because they're usually the same. And I'm not wrong there, to be fair. Alonso, he DNF'd on that 47. We don't really know why. He was told to bring the car in, probably for the best. And then Stroll DNF'd on lap 66 which, to be fair, was not his fault, certainly in my view. Bottas thought he was still in, uh, still in a Mercedes for some reason and then just tried to absolutely assassinate Stroll. 
in the stadium section. But given where Aston Martin were at the start of the season, Phil, it's pretty dismal. And is if you don't like Aston Martin, you can say it's a little bit funny, couldn't you? Yeah, it's the karma train catching up to them, Tom. I, when you consider the owner and one of their drivers, and probably for all the bad juju that Fred brings to the table with all his history, for even though he's one of the greatest drivers ever, you have to go and add that in there. Fernando Alonso, two-time world champion. He's one of the best drivers ever we've ever seen. Yeah, but you do you see his track record? outside of those two world championships yeah did add nothing to do with fred today it was a really typical recently with issues with the car they didn't have any pace all weekend and then the race didn't go very well and overheating was a problem for virtually everybody but i think it really affected the aston martin team stroll probably was going to get a penalty because he was making more moves. He, he had Pruitt fades and other moves. He was trying to do some sort of dance with his car instead of actually trying to hold off somebody. He'll probably blame the fact that he couldn't see in his mirrors. But instead, by the end, and he went for a pass in that stadium, in the Mickey Mouse Stadium section, and that cost, that ended up with Valtteri Botas being on the inside of him and he yeeted him out of the race. Yeah, it's it's amazing that at the start of the season, Aston Martin was the second best team on the grid. And there's three races to go, and there's an argument to be made that they're now maybe the seventh or eighth best team on the grid, which is ridiculous. I've never seen that before. I don't, and I've watched Formula One for a long time. I've never seen a team have a epic drop from the front of the grid to absolute nowhere. And then you know that, and then they're going to lose time and money and all that stuff within the Constructors' Championship because of where they were, uh, because of all the points they earned early in the year. So curious to see how this will all work out in the long run for them. But this end of the season can't come soon enough for the old the old the team that once was Jordan yeah they've been just a couple of teams through the years I mean I say bring back Midland F1 um, because at least Midland F1 led, led a race which I don't even know if Aston Martin have done this year I could be wrong on that but I'm racking my brain I can't you know because you think back to the start of the season I'm not or maybe Saudi but who cares moving on god I really did wake up and choose violence today Moving on from that, Jonah, let's just cycle back rounds. Alpha Tauri. Now, obviously, we've talked about Haas, who have moved down to P10, and it is indeed Alpha Tauri who have moved up to P9, much at the expense of Haas, which, <laughs> lol, that's basically my feelings on that. That was all thanks to Mr. Daniel Ricciardo, who started P4 in an Alpha Tauri and finished P7 and he was ultimately, I think, about four tenths behind George Russell, who and was chasing him down for a for a potential P six finish in a car that at the time was the was categorically the worst on the grid. You, you would say that because they were bottom of the constructors. But he is coming to F one after being dumped by McLaren, 
because let's face it, he didn't perform. I was very skeptical of him coming back, and I stand corrected. Because he has done bits in that car today, which which none of us were going to expect. And also, his teammate, Yuki Tsunoda, now if people, obviously people watch this past seven and see the race, they might think, oh, your diary P7 is incredible, but where's, why is you know, Yuki's P12? Yuki was P8, and he was, or maybe P9, he was in the lower half of the points, or the bottom third of the points, and he made quite a clumsy, certainly in my view, quite a clumsy attempted move on Oscar Piastri. So Alpha Tauri obviously moved up to P9, and I believe they're tied with Alpha Romeo as well, who were in P8, who I think might stay P8 based on the virtue that they've had a high race result. I will need to double-check that. Um, I'm gonna go. But given how their season started and given that they've had four drivers this season, it's it's a pretty impressive turnaround, you have to say. And Do you think today perhaps showed the progress they've made in what is the most upgraded car this season, I should add? You know what? You yeah. I don't think it showed the progress that they've made. I think that you get to a circuit that's very high in elevation, super thin air, very low drag, and very little downforce. When you take away all the aspects of a good race car, Alpha Tower had a good race car. Um, at the end of the day, there was nothing really at any other track. We'll see it in Interlagos if I'm wrong. I'll, I'll die on this hill if I'm wrong. That's fine. But every other track that has required a little bit of downforce and a little bit of having a slippery car on the straights, the Alpha Tower has been horrendous. When you get to a track where the air is so thin and they're running Monza or they're running Monaco-sized wings and making less than Monza levels of downforce, this car is wicked fast. At the end of the day, I think that they lucked out on their package. I think that Alpha Tower had a good race car because all the things that make a good race car didn't apply here. Now, obviously, they have a really talented driver, Daniel Ricciardo. I might be a diehard McLaren fan, but I'm not going to deny the guy's got talent. He's a proven race winner. He's a fantastic driver. Once again, as a McLaren fan, that was a pretty stupid you've, uh, st pretty stupid move from Yuki. He's better than that. He can make that move. I, if he did it right, he would have been ahead of Oscar, in my opinion. But that, yeah, I don't think that's a good race car, and I don't think it's shown the progress. I just think that it's poor. I just think it's a poor, a, a good combination for them. It's a good track for them because everything that makes a good race car is not there. So I think AlphaTauri got really lucky, and Daniel Ricciardo drove the crap out of it and managing to hold on to points and once again, I'll go back to I'll go back to what I said about when I said the first time to twenty million dollar result potentially here. And if if we go back and let's say it stays this way, and neither AlphaTauri or Alfa Romeo score any more points for the rest of the year, AlphaTauri is going to finish ahead of them on countback for a higher finishing position. Yeah, I, I don't fully think it's a good race car. I really don't. I just think that when you have no downforce and no drag, and your car's really fast in a straight line, then yeah, you're going to do well. Yeah, you just thought eh? with that massive straight and not not that much drag with that. Honda Red Bull Ford power unit powered by Honda Red Bull Ford, that that they would have a lot of speed. Yeah, because we don't know, we still don't know what they're quite called. Yeah. But just looking a little bit further around the grid, Williams. So it was a bit of an odd weekend for them. But today, and I say today, it is still today, just here. Um, thank, thank heavens the clock went back. I'll say that. Williams ultimately Albon finished P9 after starting P14, I believe it was. And then Logan Sargent's test on the last one, one lap, I believe, was a essentially a fuel pump issue. And he was having a he was having a he was having a bit of a ding dong with Stroll. And I just want to allude to something quickly that Phil said when he talked about Aston Martin was that when Stroll was weaving just a little bit on on the straight. So that definitely hampered Oaks' performance. But Albon, again, another strong P9. It's, yeah, it seems to be like his position when he scores points, he's in P9. Once again, good result. They're, they're securing that P7 
in in the constructors. Do you think that do you think the sort of race today shows that they've got to a point where perhaps they're focusing a bit on next year because they're they're not too worried about people behind them. They know they're not going to catch those in front of them as well. I think so, but it, they definitely are driving with only one driver who's going to be reliable for those points. I don't know. But again, Alex, he had a really good weekend until qualification and a really good race today. He had some nice overtakes and he just did a really nice job. I think James is doing a great job with the team as well. Last week I was at the race and I actually got to hear him talk and he was talking about how Logan's seat is not guaranteed and it's really going to be based on a meritocracy is what he called it based on how Logan does and I don't think today really helped Logan out for that. The only time he even got any broadcast coverage is when he was screaming on the radio and they thought that'd be a good radio message to put out there. But he really didn't show anything today. He showed his immaturity and his drive and it definitely didn't help him. Last weekend, maybe a little step forward, but I think this weekend, not so much. So they Williams definitely has one driver who they can rely on to get points. And another driver who is teetering on the edge, but who do you even replace him with? And there's a handful of other unknown options, not really anyone solid. I think he'll stay in the seat for next year, but his performance today definitely wouldn't help that. No, that's a pretty damning, but pretty accurate analysis, I, I suppose one could say. At least he kept out of the barriers. Every cloud and all that, and to be fair, he kept out of the barriers for, for the last two weeks straight, so... You've got to take these little wins when they come about. But Phil Alfa Romeo, so it seems to be giving you all, all the fun ones at the moment, even after I tried to avoid that. Alfa Romeo, they came home a dizzying 14th or 15th after qualifying P9 and P10. And I'm just, I'm just going to bust out say it. In, in a race where they qualified there, um, giving everything that happened around them, that's not really good enough. That wouldn't be good enough if there were 20 finishers and they, and they finished there. But they, they were the last of the runners to finish, which, to be honest, is just a bit embarrassing. So we said yesterday, you know, uh, waiting for the Audi money. I think today, I think the Audi money might be on pause after that. How do you rate them today? I say take rate with a pinch of salt because it's. I don't think this is going to be particularly positive. Yeah, they're... Oh, sorry. Yeah, their rating is not very high. They would probably get those, like, when you think of the the marks that you would get when they write the notes uh, on the side on your report card, and you'd say, there's a lot of, there was potential there at some point, but then Valtteri went and ran into someone, and then Joe disappeared. He has a habit of disappearing in the room, and we have to stop class because he disappeared. Um, that's what... Alfa Romeo, Sauber, whatever you want to call them is. And that's what happened to them today. You start ninth and 10, Valtteri, it's one of his best, better racetracks. And his day was just a complete, it was just completely uh, unfortunate outside of Fred. That's probably the one day, one person's day that probably didn't want to have it. Joe, I don't know what their plan was. You'd think I always think of Haas as being that one that goes in the tank, and to be fair, they did. But it also you have to. It was Kevin Magnuson almost eating it, and that was not great. The Alpha Salbers, they don't. They bought some upgrades, and they, it looked good last week. Or they, they've had their moments here and there, but it's been a whole bunch of nothing, and it's been a whole bunch of nothing for 
I think a decade or so, or I, don't, I think Sergio Perez was still driving for him the last time they were relevant. And Sergio Perez is about to be out of Formula One. So that tells you where things are at for them. And you can keep on, they, we can all wait for the Audi money, but that's 2026. It ain't going to help Valtteri. It ain't going to help Joe or whoever the heck they have working there. And they're not going to be relevant. But at least they have the solace that Haas is also going to stink with them. At least the Ferrari customer teams can be together and be in the back. That was quite the five-star. I wouldn't even call that an endorsement. That was the opposite of an endorsement from you you there, Phil. And speaking of five stars, if you could take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we'd be most appreciative. I'm still not uh, I'm still not as good as Ruby when it comes to those transitions, but she is, after all, Ruby the professional heist. heist. She's not. She's a professional host. Oh, my God, that's going to get clipped. That is, even by my standards, that one was good. Ruby, I'm so sorry, mate. But, yes, I can't even find the script. It's all gone wrong. Oh, my word. It's, I'm sorry, everyone. It's bedtime here, okay? And I don't do well at night. This is, this is why I shouldn't be left alone for, for too long. Who have we got left now? We just talked about Alfa Romeo, didn't we? Yeah, because we talked about heists and all sorts. Jonah, McLaren. Let's try to get this back on track before, before something even worse comes out of my mouth. McLaren, now, what a day. Lando started P17, finished five. Three stopped and just went, nah, hold my Google Chrome device. And then just, you know, just sailed his way through. Started on softs as well and pitted for them quite early. I did fear for him at that point, but, you know, the red flag definitely helped. And then Piastri was absolutely putting in moves. We will take the Yuki bit out of it because we'll talk about that afterwards. But Piastri, you put in a sensational move. I think it was on George Russell through turn one and two. But McLaren, baby, they are here to stay. Oh man, oh man, are they here to stay? What a it's just it's fantastic. Uh, I'll talk about Oscar first. The guy's nuts. Come, he's a rookie. What? Uh, it's awesome to see. Uh, it's great to know that Alpine doesn't have him. I love it. And you know what? He's doing great. I think he's still in that. I think he's still in that phase where he feels like he has to prove himself, even though he has a contract extension or sprint win a podium. Come on, man. No, you don't. But yeah, Oscar's been great. I'll stop with that. Oh my God, Lando Norris. What they got, like the guy was driving, Crofty said it, he's Derv, or Brundle said it. He's driving like a man possessed. That's absurd. Absolutely absurd. You're in a car that at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of the season, you couldn't make it out of Q1. You were starting like 20th and 6th and 17th or whatever it was. It was atrocious. The car sucked. It looked worse than anything else on the grid. And you just went from 17th to 5th? And you did it at one of the harder circuits to overtake due to the lack of DRS effectiveness. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. What a phenomenal drive. The guy is unreal. If they don't sign him through 2038, I'm going to be ridiculously mad. He, he's, in my opinion, I think there's only one driver on the grid that's better than Lando Norris, and it's Max Verstappen. Right now, in form, that's it. The only guy who's better is Max Verstappen because that guy's unbelievable. Lando Norris today showed everybody why, how McLaren is back, why he deserves to get paid. Unreal. Unbelievable. He was phenomenal. McLaren's here to stay. I'm going to rub it in all my friends' faces. It's great. I love everything about it. Yeah, I'd love to see him wax lyrical about McLaren all day. But we, we, do, we do have other drivers to, to talk about as well. But yes, I'm for one. I know we talk about it a lot. But it's good because McLaren, lesser of a Ferrari fan, McLaren, basically everybody's second team. 
And let's be fair, we want to see them back. Jonas, I'm getting the feeling they might be your first team, never mind the second. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, could be right, yeah. But, but yes, no, it's, yeah, it was it was just a good day at the office, wasn't it? Once again, especially after yesterday. But Rachel, oh boy, Red Bull. So Max has taken his record 16th win of a season, and that's Grand Prix victories, you know, we're not counting the third sprints in that. Then we still have, I believe, three races to go because we have we have Brazil next week. We have a week off, then we have the upside down pig, and then we have Abu Dhabi. Yeah, for those of you who aren't talking, talking the upside down pig is Las Vegas because if you look at it, it looks like an upside down pig, and you will never be able to unsee that. You're welcome. Red Bull Max just cutting him off very quickly. Started P3 was P1 by the time they got to about 200 meters down down the straight, heading towards turn one. And then something happened to him, and then we'll get into it now. And then he was controlling the race, nailed the the red flag standing star, and then just didn't look back, checked out on the hards, and he was away with the fairies. You can add something to that if you want, but there's not much to add, is there? But Perez, and I'm going to want everybody's input on this one, but we'll talk about the incident. So they're approaching, I say they, so, so we have uh, Perez on the outside, we have Max on the on the far right-hand side, and then we have Leclerc in the middle. And Perez has seen a gap that's opened up on the left, which is where Max went in 2021. And both Red Bull drivers got an insane launch, by the way. They both, Perez had a really good reaction time. He had a better reaction time than Max. He had a brilliant start. He, he, was, he was right there. He was in that place, and he had a, I certainly feel he had every right to go for it. Unfortunately, it's quite a tight turn into turn one. Three into one, especially at that corner, doesn't go. And Leclerc breaks and had every right to break where he did. Made contact with the rear of Paris's car. And then Paris's car just he went, ooh, piece of candy. And then tried to put his face into the tarmac. And by that point, there was a gaping hole in the side pod. The rear wing was wobbling like the Alpine one. That's apparently legal. And then the floor was, was apparently pretty badly damaged as well. Ultimately, he DNF at his home race. What do you think... Rachel, I'll go to you first. What do you think about that lap one incident? I think it it's just a really unfortunate racing incident. I It's hard to say Perez shouldn't have gone for it because he should have gone for it. And if he didn't, he'd be so mad at himself for not going for it. I definitely think he should have gone for it. And unless maybe he was a little bit more on the outside, maybe he could have made it stick. But it was just really unfortunate, and you could tell it weighed on him a lot. He not only had the weight of his home crowd and wanting to make them proud, he has the weight of his contract. He has one for next year, of course, but they'll take it away if they want to. That's Red Bull. They're really cutthroat. I think he had a ton of pressure and went for the move, and it's it was really unfortunate that it didn't stick. There was like a second where my brain flipped it, and I was like, it's Max, he's off, he's not going to win this race. But no, it, it was 100% Checo, and it was really hard to watch. I know we saw like Christian consoling him, and it, but what does that mean? That's like a spider consoling you. Ben, he really wanted to get back out there. They tried to make the repairs in the car, but no, that was never going to happen. And it was, yeah, I guess it was just a really unfortunate racing incident. It was weird that the crowd left. It shows that they're just Checo fans and not really F1 fans. And if he's not racing in F1 next year, I think that the Mexico City Grand Prix is going to see a big downturn of ticket sales and stuff like that, if that's really why people are going. 
So I guess it has a very long way to say it was a very unfortunate racing incident. Yeah, you know, I, I, I personally, I feel it was a racing incident as well. I don't think you can apportion blame at anybody there. I think Paris certainly covered it off quite nicely in in his in his interview with Rachel Brooks, which is a very passionate but also a very level headed one. Phil, I'll come to you very quickly. I'm just going to say to you, racing incident or is there a driver at blame? Yeah, I think it was a racing incident. It's just unfortunate considering what uh, Checo has been through or in self inflicted or otherwise in his home Grand Prix has a, a strong enough qualifying run probably gets the best start he's had all year was in a it did had it harkened back to Lewis in a lot of ways at Qatar where he had a launch and then tried to make it work and of course that didn't work out very well either so it's just a bad situation and I think in a lot of ways for Sergio Perez, he wanted he wanted this one badly. And I'm sure that George wanted this one badly to save him from the sombrero. But there's it's a racing incident. It's just a shame they're making him a sacrifice, sacrificial lamb. Uh, but good luck to whoever else, whoever's going to take over that second seat. Someone said Lando Norris. Jonah, just very quickly... Racing incident, yes or no? Yeah, racing incident caused by someone. That's good enough. I heard racing incident, yes. So that that will do. We have two more teams to talk about. So I appreciate we haven't gone exactly in sort of race order per se this week, but but that gets boring. And you know, I like to make sure that people have some interesting teams to talk about in every show. Whether that actually happens, that's a different question. So Phil, your beloved Mercedes, they had Hamilton with yes another podium. I believe that's. Three years on the bounce, he's been P2 at Mexico, and 2019, he obviously won. So, once again, very good result for him. Started P6, put in some great moves, You know, made those mediums work on the red flag restart. Russell started P8, moved up to P6, held off a very resurgent and charging down Ricardo with tyres that were obviously way past their sell-by day because on that last lap, we saw him squirming through that stadium section. And, and and yeah, so yes, obviously I'm, I'm not a Mercedes fan, but you do have I do certainly have, have to doff my cap to how well they've been this season, and you could say that they're regular podium sitters by this point because they were on the podium last week. Obviously, there was tender technical infringement afterwards, but Hamilton's been on the podium. He's becoming a regular prediction of mine for for a podium, and Russell's not too far behind him. Once again, do, do you think this was the best they could have got this Sunday? Do you think there was a chance that that Hamilton could have maybe got Max at the red flag restart. Do you think he's maybe a bit too cautious into turn one? See there. I think the opportunity was better last week at Coda, to be perfectly honest. I, I don't believe there was at any pace. The Mercedes was so far behind earlier in the weekend, and it seemed like they were on divergent paths and neither of them were working. The qualifying pace was meh, but they were able to get in to Q3 and give themselves a chance. And then what happened, all the argy-bargy that went on allowed opened up a opportunity, especially for Lewis. Um, Ferrari also helped them uh, in that sense. In the end, you see what the gap was 
there was never uh, any doubt. Um, but getting a second place on the road will actually keep it. This time, it'll be nice. Uh, it's unfortunate he couldn't keep that second place from last week because second in the world championship definitely is out the door now, I think. But maybe, but especially because Checo went and went into the night sky. But for Lewis and for this team, that's the momentum they need to be looking at getting into 2024. They've spent three years essentially being on the back foot. It's about time that they start actually bringing a, a piece that their drivers can compete with. And you give a mul multiple world champion and one of the greatest ever a chance to compete. And one of the young drivers, one young talents that are out there. George definitely had to hold off uh, a lot of guys out, out holding off Ricardo and not sending himself or Lando and sending and letting him eventually getting past, but not sending himself in the process. We'll give him props for that. But yeah, best best case scenario, I think that's where Mercedes is going to be. With McLaren, with Ferrari, it's take your pick from week to week. Who is that team going to be? And at least this week, Mercedes and Lewis were that team. So we'll look at Brazil. Last year, Brazil was a brief respite and actually, but... I don't think that's going to be the case this year. No, of course. And obviously Brazil last year, George's first win and his first Grand Prix wins, you know, so we'll obviously be hoping to repeat that next next week. But alas, this is not the preview show. So yeah, so thank you for, for your thoughts on the Ram Mercedes. You should be very passionately filled. Full credit to you. And so I slightly disagree with you in the sense that I think they had more race pace. I think Hamilton was just being sensible because he was just saving a bit of energy, saving a bit of the tires. He took the fastest lap on the last lap. Maybe I'm being a little bit more sort of like on the fence about it. I'm not sure. But speaking of teams to make you go, really, Joda, Ferrari, last thing we're going to talk about today. And we just got one or two other little bits to talk about. So they had a front row lockout and they, fi and they finished the race with a second row lockout. Absolute win that one. They both got swatted up into turn one. Obviously, see, Leclerc was involved in that in the, that first lap incident. There is currently an investigation for Leclerc. Over, he was alleged to be driving the car in an unsafe condition. Now, I've just said the FA website. We haven't heard anything. That's a whole thing in itself as to why you know it was lap one for heaven's sake. Why can't they investigate it during the race? But we'll do a podcast on that in the off season because we can call it the the lives and times of the FIA. That's got a good name, actually. Ultimately, they finished on the second row. They got beaten on pace by... Everyone got beaten on pace by Max. They got beaten on pace and strategy by Hamilton. And they weren't far off getting done in by Norris in, in the McLaren as well. There's also another unfortunate record that Leclerc set, and I promise I'll let you speak in a second, where this is now the 11th pole in a row that he has set and failed to convert into a win. To put that into context, I believe Sergio Perez has more wins than he does in F1. Because, yeah, Leclerc has five wins in F1. And bear in mind last year, we said he was a title contender. We were kidding ourselves a bit, weren't we? And it's it's the same story with them. They were going to try a one-stop anyway, as we heard. They obviously went with a two-stop after the red flag. But once again, they finished 23 seconds off the Mac and Max. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's classic Ferrari at the end of the day. That's all it is. You lock up the front row. Yeah, I understand in Mexico that, that that pole and obviously second being the dirty side of the grid. 
is not the best position to start at this track. It's actually third where Max happened to be. But it's classic Ferrari. You lock up the front row. I don't understand how, even when Max comes into pit, you like, how are you going to let the Red Bull undercut you? Like, how are you going to let that happen? You see the Red Bull comes into pit. You can go ahead and you can bring in your guys next lap or one of your guys, bring in Charles next lap and let Carlos go. But you're like, no, what are you doing? The Red Bull's going to undercut you. You're in a position here. Bring in the car, swap the tires. Whether you go onto the hards, I think they would have, the, the hards would have been the only choice to go onto at that point. Why are you letting them undercut you? That makes no sense to me. They got 100% bailed out by the red flag at that point because everybody got a free change of tires and they got a free change on Charles's wing, which I don't really fully understand why they're investigating Charles. If he was driving in an unsafe condition, wave the black and orange flag. That's your call to make, not Ferrari's call to make. Uh, if they give him a penalty, I think that's ridiculous. But that's not out of the FIA's realm because uh, they admitted they were wrong with what they did in giving Max a reprimand, and then they didn't dish out any penalties for the exact same thing this weekend. Number one, I guess if you're a driver, stop at the end of the grid. It's completely or stop at the end of the pit lane. Totally fine. No one's going to get a penalty. It's all good. And if you're Ferrari, don't block off an undercut because you know what? It's okay. Makes no sense to me. It's classic Ferrari. Getting on the podium at that point is lucky. If there were more laps in the race, Lando would have caught in both of them. At the end of the day, though. Ferrari fans, enjoy your P3. That's great. He probably won't get disqualified from this one. Actually, we don't know that yet. But yeah, it's just classic Ferrari. I expect nothing less at this point. And you know what? They need... I don't think Fred Vasseur was enough restructuring to fix the issues they really have going on there. No, it's going to take... It's less restructuring, more complete rewire of that team. Put it. But yes, there's nothing on the Leclerc decision yet. I do just want to run some updates on some both those penalties and summons all the rest of it. Bottas and Stroll have been summoned. Bottas for causing a collision at 15. I think that'll be a slam down five seconds. And then both the decisions, certainly one of them popped up at the end of the race, but both of them have popped up for Piastri and Yuki that there's no further action. So I just, now that we've had that info about both of them being no further action, especially the second one where Yuki spun himself off, I'm going to come to each of you individually, and I just want, was it the right decision for it to be a, uh, a racing incident? And, uh, sorry, was it the right decision for, for them to say, you know, no further action? And do you feel it was a racing incident? I just want to quick yes and no for, from each of you. So, Rachel, I'll go to you first. Was it a racing incident, and did the shoes make the right decision from both the incidents? I, don't, I can't answer in one word. I can't. I, I'll try to go really quick, though. But I feel like the reason why they decided no further action was because they both did it. And they're like, that evens out. But I don't know. I thought I thought, thought it was somebody's fault at some point. I, I didn't think it was a racing incident. Um, and they got really lucky on the first one that what happened on the second time didn't happen the first time around. And then what was the second question I was supposed to answer? <laughs> the second question was, do you think it should have been a racing incident? No, no, I'll go, I'll go, yes, I'll say yes. <laughs> okay, so, so Rachel's saying no on that one. And, and then, <laughs> Phil, very quickly, do you think Zephyr made the right call on this one? And then, if so, do you agree or disagree that there should have been a racing incident? Yeah, they have selective enforcement and can are consistently inconsistent. So we'll just say that they were right for that one because they just pull it out of their butt anyway, so... It wouldn't be the FIA if it wasn't that way. So if it's a certain blue car, then they change the rules. If it's a black car, they change the rules. If it's a red car, they change the rules. 
So whatever clown show that they are. Okay, I'll send that to Fall High in the post, Phil. Jonah, I- I'm only joking. Um, uh, uh, Jonah, very quickly, do you agree with the series decision of no further action? Yes or no? Yeah. Okay, do you think it was a racing incident? No. Okay, interesting. We are almost a little bit out of time. First of all, everyone, thank you so much. I'll give you the opportunity to promise us in a second. I have something I just want to add, though, and this is going to be one of those one from the hearts buckle in, everybody. I want to talk about the crowd quickly. Now, I've got a bone to pick with this, and this really irritates me. I get that Checo is the... You, and I, sorry, I hope that people know that I'm talking about the crowd at the end of the race and Leclerc came on the podium after a racing incident at Turn 1. Grow up. That's the first thing I'm going to say. If you think that Perez was was not to blame at all, or if you're trying to blame Declare for that incident, you need to grow up and you need to open your eyes. I get that he is the national driver of the team, and I and you know he's obviously got a fiercely loyal fan base, as a lot of other drivers do. You, you know, you, you look at the the supported Silverstone drivers. You look at the you know, Max fans in just quite a few of the European races. And we go to Australia, for, especially for Danny Rick and hopefully more for Piastri in, in the years to come. To sit there in the crowd or stand in the crowd and boo a driver who did nothing wrong. The reason Perez DNF is because he he just cut the angle too, too harsh at turn one and he paid the ultimate price. We've talked about it already and I do agree that it was a racing incident. But that does not give you, the crowd, the right to boo someone who has done nothing wrong. And in an age where social media is so prevalent, we saw it in F1 a couple of years ago with the incident you know, in the aftermath of Abu Dhabi 2021. We've seen it with other high-profile incidents in, different, in other sports. Another good example, the referee from the Rugby World Cup final yesterday, Wayne Barnes, has received death threats. Grow up. If you think it's okay to boo, to jeer, and, and I'm not talking about just like a little ooh-boo hiss, you know, full-on making noises where it sounded like the Amazon rainforest, you need to grow up because there's not a place for you in this sport, or any sport, because that's not fair and that's not okay, and you don't understand the impact that that might have on drivers. And I'm sorry to perhaps somewhat end this on a little bit of a somber note, but something has to be said, because... Otherwise, you know, people just go, oh, you know, look at that, you know, funny little fans are doing all this. No, it's not okay. So I wanted to mention that. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to go round, round the room on that one. That one is from me personally. And I know as a host, I must remain impartial. I've been a bit unhinged tonight anyway. I wanted to get that one from my chest. So with that being said, let's give one of you a quick chance to promote yourself. So Rachel, I said you're from the Paddock Pals podcast. We quite often have your cousin Warren on the show. Tell us a bit about it, where we can find you, what you do. Yeah, so we're a podcast, obviously, and my cousin is really good at the social media stuff. Me, not so much. So definitely check us out on the socials. I think we're just Paddock Pals Podcast. And then you can also listen to us on any podcast network. We do a Taylor Swift, I forgot that you existed segment, talk about celebrities and girlfriends at the race. So it's it's just Two family members having a good old time. Lovely stuff. Phil, I mentioned you are you are one of the regulars here anyway, especially on these later shows, which one of the few that are in your time zone. You're from the Crypt Trip podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, thanks, Tom. Grip Strip Podcast, you've been on the show before. It, we talk about all things motorsports. I like to say if it goes fast, we talk about it on the Grip Strip Podcast. Talk about Formula One, albeit briefly, for my heart and for my mind. But we also talk about IndyCar, NASCAR, you name it, drag racing. So we talk about all things motorsports. You can find us basically anywhere where podcasts are distributed. We also have a YouTube page at Gripster Podcast, and you can find our show on my blog site at philipgmatthew.com. And thanks as always. Great work, Tom. You're no matter what, you're always funny and you always keep everyone on their toes, including the guests. So you've got to give credit for that, even at this late hour for you. And always great to be on with Rachel and Jonah and be a part of the Grid Talk crew and Aiden as well for so behind the scenes and all of his great work. Absolutely, Aiden, Mr. Producer Extraordinaire behind the scenes. And thank you, Phil. That was a very nice of you. Yes, saying I keep you on your toes, that's one way of, of, of phrasing Yeah, I keep myself on my own toes. So, Jonah, just tell us a little bit about you. You're, you are rather competitive in, in the esports scene, and you are, I believe, a, a multi-world champion as well. Am I right in saying yes. that? Yes, I, I like to say that. Uh, yeah, three times over, which has been a lot of fun racing in, in esports and with a bunch of Europeans. But uh, yeah, no, three time over world champion of the few different teams, which was a lot of fun. Former host of the Soft Tire Podcast, you can still find that basically everywhere. A podcast where three friends talk about Formula One for about 10 minutes and then anything else for about 50. We don't do it anymore because they moved across the country and it's the time zones didn't work anymore. But it's still all over Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you can find it like that. And if you want to watch League, league Racing, Light Speed Racing starts their season on Saturday. Catch me in one of the Haas cars with a good friend of mine. I thank you for that. It's always nice to have something promo that isn't in the nicest way possible, it's nice to have something promo that's not directly F1 or you know or directly motorsport. With that being said, please do listen to our sister show, Formula Talk, which is not F1, but that is is indeed motorsport. So, uh, Sophia Richmond, who is a who's a panelist here, uh, she and I do that. Uh, we look through F2, F3, F1 Academy, which is just finished. Obviously, we've got F2 with its finale in Abu Dhabi in just under a month's time now. So yeah, so please do please do check that out. That's my promo. I have personal socials as well. So if you want to find me, I'm at Notify. No, I'm not going to say it because I'm going to snigger. Great Talk is available on YouTube, but most episodes are recorded live, but it's Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, and Pocket Cast. Just search Formula 1 Grid Talk for our back catalog of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and race results. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get mics, lights, and better recording. Also, make sure you subscribe so you are the first to know when each new episode is released. We'll be back fairly soon, probably tomorrow, to be honest, with plenty more from content. Thank you very much for listening to the Grid Talk podcast presented by Bet Online and Google.